Thank you very much, Travis and Laura, for ministering in music. As they were singing, I pulled out the hymnal just to make sure I was remembering words right. So we think about what we're going to speak on this morning, walking with God in black darkness. And I intentionally put black darkness just to emphasize that sometimes we walk in darkness and we have no idea what's going on. And the one who wrote this song and that Travis and Laurel sang, remember he lost a lot in the Chicago fire. His daughters would have been drowned while they were going to England along with his wife and his wife would have uh, sent him a message, saved alone. She was the only one saved. And later on, as the story is told, he was going to England to meet his wife. And he asked the captain when he got over the spot where he thought his daughters would have went under that in relation to that he would have written it as well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. In Christ, we have so much. But even before Christ, as we think and reflect on the life of Job, he walked with God. He knew God. And how much more we have today. We have a completed scripture. We have Christ and all that we have in him. So we need to be open and responsive to the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful for Christ, for your word, for revealing yourself to us, for giving us your spirit to live within us. Grateful that we can even praise you through singing. We can praise you, as Daniel mentioned earlier, being thankful. And just the privilege of prayer. As we look at some of Job this morning, Father, we want to be attentive hearers. Hearing, living, applying your word for your glory. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. What does walking in darkness require? Can we walk in darkness? Why? Why not? And obviously I'm not speaking about a physical darkness. I'm speaking about in life. Many times it's bleak and we don't always know how to respond. Keep in mind that Job had experienced deep grief. He lost his ten children. He lost his possessions. And then he lost his health. He's sitting in the ash heap, scraping his sores. His three friends have come and they sat with him for a week. And then they attempted to start to encourage him. And the way they did that was to try to tell Job that he had sinned or his children have sinned or he had obeyed the Lord. And that was why he was going through what he was facing. They had answers. They wanted to give explanations. They wanted to give reasons. But they failed to point Job to the Lord. Instead, they focused on Job. 
demanding answers and explanations, place them in the driver's seat. In contrast, faith in the Lord while in darkness places the Lord in the driver's seat. In the midst of these three comforters, should I call them miserable? I'm not sure I'd call them miserable, but comforters, Job desires an audience with the Lord. They keep telling him, Job, you did, you did, you must have sinned, your kids must have sinned. And he desires an audience. He wants to talk to God. And this desire is repeated quite frequently as you read through Job. Who wouldn't desire an audience with the Lord when you're repeatedly told by three people, you sinned, your kids did something, you did something in your life. And Job is maintaining his innocence. Now remember, we're looking at it from the Lord's perspective. Job did not know what was going on. And that changes the perspective. Job did not know that Satan and God had a conversation. Job did not know that Satan was given permission by God to take his wealth, to take his children, and to take his health. He's in the dark. He doesn't know what's going on. And then along comes the three friends. They say, Job, you sinned. I don't know if you've ever been through suffering and through difficulty, and someone comes along and says, what did you do? You surely did something, or you wouldn't be going through this trial. You did something. And then someone else comes along and says, oh, I agree, you must have done something. This is why you're going through this physical trial. That's why your son or daughter died. That's why your son or daughter is going through a difficulty. And then the third one comes along and says the same thing. After a while you say, bug off. I don't want to talk to you. But Job says repeatedly, Lord, I would like an audience with you. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Job chapter 6. Keep in mind as we're coming into the context of Job that his comforters have been seeking to minister to him. And when we get to Job 6, one of the comforters had, Eliphaz has already responded. And in Job 6, Job longs for an audience with God. In verse 1, then Job replied, If only my anguish could be weighed, and all my misery be placed in the scales. It would surely outweigh the sand of the seas. No wonder my words have been impetuous. Now stop and ponder that. If my anguish could be weighed, could be placed on the scales, it surely would outweigh the sand of the seas. Job is suffering. Job is going through great difficulty. The arrows of the Almighty are in me. My spirit drinks in their poison. God's terrors are marshaled around me. The arrows of the Almighty are in me. He goes on in verse 5, Does a wild donkey bray when it is, has grass, or an ox bellow when it has fodder? Is tasteless food eaten without salt? Or is there flavor in the weight of an egg? I refuse to touch it. Such food makes me ill. Oh, that I might have my request. That God would grant what I hope for. That God would be willing to crush me. 
to let loose his hand and cut me off, then I would still have the consolation, my joy and unrelenting pain, that I've not denied the words of the Holy One. Going through tremendous difficulty. That God would grant what I hoped for, that God would be willing to crush me, to let his, loose his hand and cut me off. Just let me exit. Look at chapter 7 and verse 17. What is man that you make so much of him, that would you, you would give him so much attention, that you examine him every morning and test him every moment? Will you never look away from me or leave me alone, even for an instant? If I have sinned, what have I done to you, O watcher of men? Why have you made, your, made me your target? Have I become a burden to you? Why do you not pardon my offenses and forgive my sins? For I will soon lie down in the dust. You will search me, but I will be no more. Again, anguish, you know, what have I done if I've sinned? What have I done to you, O watcher of men? Why have you made me tar- your target? I've become a burden to you. Again, in his anguish and his hurt, he's crying out. God, I would like an audience. Bildad speaks in chapter 8. In chapter 9 and 10, Job responds. Look at chapter 10 and verse 1. Job 10 and verse 1. I loathe my very life. Therefore, I will give free rein to my complaint and speak out in bitterness of my soul, or bitterness of yeah, my soul. I will say to God, do not condemn me, but tell me what charges you have against me. Does it please you to oppress me? To spur the work of your hands while you smile, you smile on the schemes of the wicked? Do you have eyes of flesh? Do you see as a mortal sees? Are your days like those of a mortal? Are your years like those of a man that you stretch or search out my flaws and probe after my sin? Though you know that I am not guilty and that no one can rescue me from your hand. Job is crying out. I will say to God, do not condemn me, but tell me what charges you have against me. Hey, God, what charges do you have against me? Does it please you to oppress me? He's hurting, but he's freely expressing himself to God. God, what's going on? I don't know what's happening. Look at chapter 13. In chapter 11, Zophar responds and again has retribution theology. Job, you surely sinned in some way. And Job again cries out in chapter 13. I missed chapter 10. Let's look at chapter 10 and verse 18. Wanted to cover that. Chapter 10 and verse 18. Why then did you bring me out of the womb? I wish I had died before my, any eye saw me. 
Now, can you envision these three guys sitting in the ash heap with Job, and they are trying to tell him he did something wrong, and then Job responds, No, why did God bring me out of the womb? Why was I ever born? I wish I'd died before any eye saw me. We're dealing with a hurting guy. If only I'd never come into being or been carried straight from the womb to the grave. Or not my few days almost over. Turn away from me so I can have a moment's joy before I go to the place of no return, to the land of gloom and deep shadow, to the land of deepest night of deep shadow and disorder, where even the light is like darkness. Go over to chapter 13 and verse 16. Chapter 13. Let's catch three and four, then we'll go to 16. But I desire to speak to the Almighty... And they argue my case with God. Job saying, I want to speak with the Almighty. I want to argue my case. He's maintaining his innocence. You, however, smear me with lies. You are worthless physicians, all of you. Speaking to those that are trying to give him counsel. Then skipping over to verse 16. Indeed, this will turn out for my deliverance. For no godless man would dare come before him. Listen carefully to my words. Let your ear take in what I say. Now that I've prepared my case, I know I will be vindicated. Can anyone bring charges against me? If so, I will be silent and die. Only grant me two things, O God, and then I will not hide from you. Withdraw your hand from me. And stop frightening me with your terrors. Then summon me and I will answer. Or let me speak and you reply. Now notice what he says there in verse 21. Withdraw your hand far from me and stop frightening me with your terrors. Then summon me and I will answer. Or let me speak and you reply. God, I want an audience. Verse 23, how many, are my, how many wrongs and sins have I committed? Show me my offense and my sin. Why do you hide your face and consider me your enemy? Will you torment a windblown leaf? Will you chase after dry chaff? For you write down bitter things against me and make me inherit the sins of my youth. You fasten my feet in shackles. You keep close watch in all my paths. By putting marks on the soles of my feet. So man wastes away like something rotten, like garments eaten by moss. Have you ever been at the point in life where you're in total darkness as far as what's happening in life and you cry out in anguish to God? Or to other people. That's where Job is. We find that Eliphaz responds in chapter 15. And then in chapter 16, Job again responds. Verse 7 of chapter 16. 
Yet if I speak, my pain is not relieved. And if I refrain, it does not go away. Surely, O God, you have worn me out. You've devastated my entire household. You bound me, and it has become a witness. My gauntness rises up and testifies against me. God assails me and tears me in his anger and gnashes his teeth at me. My opponent fastens on me with his piercing eyes. Men open their mouths to jeer at me. They strike my cheek in scorn and unite together against me. God has turned me over to evil men and thrown me into the clutches of the wicked. All was well with me, but he shattered me. He seized me by the neck and crushed me. He has made me his target. His archers surround me. Without pity, he pierces my kidneys and spills out my gall on the ground. Again and again, he burst upon me. He rushes at me like a warrior. Job had some knowledge of the Lord and what the Lord was like. Very open with the Lord. Very open in responding with his three friends. Job continues in chapter 16, chapter 17. But look at chapter 17 and verse 6. Job 17 and verse 6. God has made me a byword to everyone. A man in whose face people spit. Do you ever have anyone spit in your face? I see some faces, you know, like wrinkle. That's not a very nice thing. God has made me a byword to everyone, a man in whose face people spit. We find that Bildad responds, Job responds again, Zophar responds, and back and forth. Go over to chapter 23 and verse 1. Chapter 23 and verse 1. Then Job replied, Even today my complaint is bitter. His hand is heavy in spite of my groaning. If only I knew where to find him. If only I could go to his dwelling. I would state my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I will find out what he would answer me and consider what he would say. Would he oppose me with great power? No. He would not press charges against me. There an upright man could present his case before him, and I would be delivered from my judge. Job, again, requesting to speak to the Lord, but maintaining his innocence. After being told repeatedly by his friends, you did something, your kids did something, otherwise you wouldn't be going through what you're going through. Job knew God. And remember that Job is a blameless and upright man. He feared God and he despised evil. And he's talking to God. As he talks with his three three friends, he's making a request. We find that Job gets his request. After he shares a monologue in chapters 26 through 31. Then Elihu, a younger man, shares a monologue in chapters 32 through 37. 
And Eliyahu, the younger man, the fourth, per, a fourth person that is speaking, his monologue is again full of retribution theology. Job, you did something. You, you had to do something or you wouldn't be going through this. But in chapters 38 through 42, we find that Job gets his request. Verses 1 through 3 of Job 38. Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm. The text doesn't expand upon it, but the Lord answered Job out of the storm. Something is going on. The Lord answered Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? How would you like to get that question from the Lord? You request an audience. And he says, Who is this that darkens my counsel? With words without knowledge. Job, you're saying some things, words without knowledge. Verse 3, brace yourself like a man. I will question you. And you shall answer me. The Lord has been listening all along. Out of the storm, we find that the Lord responds. I'm not sure I would want to question from the Lord, who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Have you ever talked to God and complained and maybe not had a lot of knowledge? And we'll get to how the Lord responds ultimately next week. But this is the Lord's first response to Job. Job, you're darkening my counsel. With words without knowledge. You want an audience? Brace yourself as a man. I will question you. And you shall answer. Prepare. Job, you're speaking words. You darken my counsel without knowledge. So get ready, Job. My test is coming. Job asked quite a few questions in the passages we read. Now the Lord comes with his turn. And I like to call Job 38 through chapter 41 God's quiz for Job. So he begins in verse 4. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Job, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? I'm sure Job swallowed big and stepped back and said, I wasn't even around or even thought of. No, if he could respond, he didn't respond. The Lord says, tell me if you understand. It's almost like the Lord is just laying something heavy on Job. He asks a question and says, tell me if you understand. 
Who marked, its, marked off its dimensions? Hey, Job, who marked off the dimensions of the earth? You surely know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Job got a zero on the first one. He gets another zero on being able to answer. Who shut up the sea behind the doors when it burst forth from the womb? When it made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness? When it fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place? When I said, thus far you may come and no further, here is where your proud waves hop. Hey, Job. Who did that to the sea? I guess you, Lord, but I wasn't around. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place that it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? Hey, Job, have you given orders to the morning? Obviously, Job did not. Verse 8 or 16. Have you ever journeyed to the springs of the deep or walked in the recesses of the deep? Job. You ever been to the ocean? You ever walk in the ocean floor? You journeyed to the springs of the sea? Verse 17, have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the shadow of death? Have you comprehended the vast expanse of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. No, God just keeps pouring it on. It's like going to some class and the teacher says, here's the test. You get a copy of the test and you think, question one, I didn't know this was going to be in the test. Question two, I don't know anything about this. Did we discuss this in class? And question three, and you get to the end of the test and you you say, I have no idea what's going on here. I can't answer any of these questions. And then the teacher says, what's wrong with you? Tell me if you know all this. He goes on. We're not going to read the entire chapter, but notice in verse 21. Surely you know, or uh, have you entered, 22, have you entered the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of the hail, which I reserve for times of trouble, for days of war and battle? What is the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed? Or the place where the east winds are scattered over the earth? Who cuts a channel for the torrents of rain and a path for the thunderstorm to water a land where no man lives, a desert where no one, with no one on it or in it, to satisfy the desolate wasteland and make it sprout with grass? Does the rain have a father? Who fathers the drops of dew? From whose womb comes the ice? 
who gives birth to the frost from the heavens when the waters become hard as stone, when the surface of the deep is frozen. God continues to question Job. Question after question after question. Verse 39. Do you know where the mountain, or chapter 39 and verse 1, do you know when the mountain goats give birth? Do you watch when the doe bears her fawns? Do you count the months till they bear? Do you know the time they give birth? They crouch down and bring forth their young. Their labor pains are ended. The young thrive and grow strong in the wilds. They leave and do not return. Job just pours it on. I'm sorry, the Lord pours it on. Question after question after question. And Job basically doesn't have a lot of response. Remember, the Lord had said to Job, you shall respond. So Job is getting his little quiz. The first little quiz with question after question. And by the time Job gets done with the first quiz, he doesn't have a lot to say. Look at chapter 40, in verse 1. The Lord said to Job, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. Then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer twice. But I will say no more. Job comes to the end of what I call the first quiz, the first test from the Lord. He doesn't do well. I'm unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once. I have no answer twice, but I will say no more. But the Lord does not stop. We'll pick up on chapter 40 and 41 next week, the Lord brings more questions to Job and backs him up against the wall even more. Why would Job, who is in the darkness, who doesn't understand what has taken place in the heavenlies, who has lost his ten children, who has lost his wealth, who has lost his servants, who has lost his health, and then he says, I want an audience with God. And what does God do? God Pins him to the wall, so to speak, with all kinds of questions. Why would the Lord make himself darker rather than provide light? You get to the end of chapter 39, Job is in greater darkness than he was before in the sense of what's going on here because he can't answer any of God's questions. Why? I want you to ponder that this week. Why does the Lord, in the midst of Job going through tremendous pain, give Job a question 
And then another question, and another question, and another question. And then say, Job, now you've got to answer me. Why? What's going on? What's the Lord doing? So think about the greatest trial that you have ever been through. Where it was darkness and you had all kinds of questions and you wondered what God is doing. And you cry out to God, I'd like an audience with you, God. I just want some answers. I just want to talk to you. The Lord says, okay. I got a test for you. You get done with the test and you say, I don't understand, Lord. Why? Why would the Lord just quiz Job? Ponder that. When we're in darkness, we struggle. And the Lord pours it on. But the Lord is doing something in Job's life for his glory and for Job's good. And when we go through darkness and we cry out to God and we have all kinds of questions and he seems silent, God is doing something even though we may not see it. And Lord willing, next week we'll see what God is is doing in Job's life and then give some response to what God is doing in our lives as we go through trials individually or as a family or as a church. God remains God. He remains on the throne. We want to sing together that even in the darkness, we look up to the Lord in faith. Travis?